You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Sekou Smith. Here in the bubble, uh, trying to manage and survive quarantine on the NBA campus here in Orlando. So I'm getting pointers from everybody who's been here, the people who have been grinding through this thing. And uh, Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report has been here forever. I mean, you got to have some pointers for me, Taylor, in terms of how I, I manage this process without getting in trouble and adding days to my quarantine. Yes, for sure. Well, first, welcome. Welcome to Basketball Paradise. Um, (laughs) You are in for quite the treat. Um, It is definitely rough getting through those first seven days. It's not because you have to stay in your room. It's because you can't leave your room. You know, like that was the thing for me, because even before I came to the bubble, I was quarantined. You know, I was in my apartment. I just left to go to the store. But I also knew that if I needed to make another quick run, I could do it. Or if I just wanted to take a walk, I could do it. If I wanted to work out, I could do it, you know. Um, So it's just the idea that that is just it cannot happen um, that, that I think is rough. But I hope you brought some books. I hope you have some good TV shows or movies that you love. That's really what got me through it. Also trying to do interviews, things like you're doing right now, podcasting. Um, that passes the time. You'll probably feel a little bit of FOMO, like watching the games when you know that like you could be at the games. Yes, yes. Luckily, there were no games happening when I was in quarantine, but I can imagine that is a that is a feeling that will come. But once you're out, you're out. And there really are a bunch of fun things that you can do. I had that feeling watching game seven last night of uh the nuggets and jazz like those are these are things you want to be at in our business you want to be at the games you want to be there asking the questions after the games and talking to people and taking in the sights what have these games been like you know in terms of just being on the scene i'm looking at your social media and i see you know you're, you're in places that not everybody else is how have you found your way around here how have you navigated that process yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I don't know. I I think I really try my best to show the stuff that like you don't see on TV. Or I think I have found a lot of joy and a lot of just good stuff in these in-between moments. You know, like as the players walking to the press conference or when they're leaving, when they're having some dialogue with their teammates in between that, um, when they're coming off the court. Like one of my favorite moments was when Chris Paul walked off the court and nobody was really there, but he walks off the court after that 
win in game six. And he's just like, all we wanted was a chance. Like, and it was just a great moment. And then you saw him go into the locker room and yell and scream with his teammates. So it's just kind of that stuff. Like I try not to get too caught up in the Q and a aspect of pressers, although it's very important. And I love those two. Um, just the more you can give a behind the scenes look, I think the more people really want to see like what it's really like here, what it feels like, how the players communicate and all the emotions that come with it. Have some of the responses struck you? The emotion that some of these guys have shown, not just about the games, but about everything that's going on, this entire experience and everything that's going on outside the bubble. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that stuff is what's really moved me the most. You know, like yesterday was the most emotional press conference that we've seen that was game related. I mean, we obviously saw Donovan Mitchell laying on the ground for, I think, longer than the broadcast showed. I mean, he was on the ground for a good 40, 45 seconds before I think they realized he was still on the ground and cut to him. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great to see Jamal Murray come over, encourage him, comfort him. They shared that moment. And then for him to still, you know, be so emotional, eyes full of tears in that press conference. And I didn't realize, you know, he would start crying after I asked him that question. Hey, Donovan, um, I know you walked us through the final play and what was going through your head then, but once that was over, you were on the floor for a bit. Can you walk me through the emotions that you felt on the ground? To be honest with you, I'm in shock. I think the biggest thing was you, you worked so hard as a, as a unit, as a whole, to, to get to a point that we got to and we were this close. That hurts. It'll be in my mind for a long time. Honestly, I think yesterday was a lot for everybody. You don't, you know, you don't have a dog in the fight, so you're not necessarily invested in who wins. But at some point in the game, I think we all start to want someone to win, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it was like, once the Jazz had cut down the lead and think about how they were up 3-1 and they let it slip out of their hands, you're kind of like, oh, come on, do it, do it. Um, so it was, it was just rough. All the players were, were really emotional. So that answer definitely stuck out to me. But I think the one that's been the most meaningful was when I just asked Fred Van Bleet how he was doing. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a layered response that you could tell he just, probably no one had just said, how are you? I know that, you know, pulling up your phone and seeing people that look like you being killed by the police can be a lot. So I guess my question is just, how are you? How are you doing mentally? I'm a little bit, you know, all over the place. I start to feel guilty a little bit, you know, people in my own community, you know, uh, dying not by the hands of police, but just by product of the environment. I think we can't underestimate the the trauma that, that we take in on a daily basis from our phones and watching these videos. And, Watch a guy get shot, you know, in front of his entire family. And then right underneath that video is somebody saying, hey, well, he should have just listened to the police. So, like, like you, you take all that in, whether you register it or not, whether you realize what you're looking at or not. Like, you're taking that in and that depreciation of life, getting numb to, to what you're looking at. I was just happy for him that he kind of got to release a bit and show people that this really is difficult for the players just as much as it is for black people in this country. And then right when I was done, you know, I, I had a message from him just said, how are you feeling? Mm, yeah. I think that was really important day. And obviously my 
thoughts and love and strength are with everybody who's just really, really struggling because we all are. You had a fascinating um, back and forth with Doc Rivers after that Wednesday when everything seemed like it could go up and, and smoke and that the Lakers and Clippers were ready to get out of here. You know, this thing might be over. And it was all, you know, in, in the aftermath of, you know, the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So there was a lot of emotional energy, even from far away, you could sense that. But you asked Doc, what did you want history to say about what had happened on that Wednesday night and, and how the players had come through that? That was a knock your socks off question because nobody else asked it. I was thinking, why has nobody asked that question before now? Oh. <laughs> uh, where do you find the right way to ask that kind of question? Uh, well, thank you for the compliment. That's, that's really nice. Um, so my, one of my favorite books, it's called Heavy, probably is my favorite book. And in it, the author is talking about a time where his mom, he was writing and having a hard time. And his mom said, start by thinking about exactly what you want to say and then say exactly that. And so when I'm asking these questions, I try to just say exactly what I'm trying to get at. Like, I think that sometimes when we like fluff up our questions, it gives a person <laughs> enough ammo to also fluff up their answer, <laughs> you know? But I think if you ask a direct question, you'll get a direct answer because you almost have no choice but to give a direct answer. And the reason I asked that about, you know, history is I just felt like that's a thing that we have talked about so much. You know, when we talk about this moment, we say how it's historical, how nothing like this has happened. We talk about the way that people perceive those like Muhammad Ali and Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Like that is a conversation that always happens around these moments. So I just started to think like in 20 years and when they talk about this, will it be in the same way that we talk about that? I just wanted to know what the players thought the history books would say about yeah. these couple days. And yeah, Doc Rivers, as always, um, was a great quote. Uh, he gives great press conferences. Um, and yeah, he said, I want them to still be talking about what happened because I want the results to still last. Like I want them in history to still be reaping the benefits of what we did and what we're trying to do. Um, and I think that's kind of the echoing sentiment around here, but yeah, he, um, he's been phenomenal, you know, like asking a question does nothing if it's not somebody who is willing to give a great thoughtful answer. So he was, he's just been great. We see so many of these players, coaches, you know, in a certain light when they're in their normal circumstance, when they're in the confines of whatever their specific, you know, hometown or arena an environment might be. Have you noticed a difference in how comfortable some of these guys are not having to worry about being in LA or being in, you know, Boston or being in whatever their normal community is? It's, it, to me, it seems like some of these guys have been more open. I talked to Jamal Murray here on the Hangtime podcast heading into the bubble, it, but he was already here and he was super relaxed and, and comfortable. And I thought that's strange how how the guard is down, it seems like, for a lot of these guys, maybe based on, you know, where they are, the circumstance, or just being away from them for the the months we were when this league was shut down and we didn't have access to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that they are enjoying that aspect of this bubble. You know, I spoke to Kimba Walker, like, the first week that I got here, and he's like, 
An underrated part of this is that guys aren't really thinking about being basketball players. He's like, I went down to get food and I saw LeBron just walking around. Like he's like, I he's like, I can't remember, or LeBron probably can't remember the last time he could walk around, you know, without having like a bunch yeah. of people with him or security or thinking he'll have to take a picture. Like for a couple months, they've literally all been normal because they're in a community of everyone who has the same job as them. Yeah. You know, so they're probably enjoying like, okay, if I want to go to a restaurant, I don't got to call ahead. I got to do all this stuff. <laughs> like I can just roam around. So I, I do think that they are, they are liking that aspect. And maybe two weeks ago I was interviewing James Harden and I said, you know, we talk, you know, a lot about this bubble, how there's not anything to do except for play basketball. Like for you, what is it like to play without distractions? Cause you know, the whole thing with James is like distractions or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he laughed and he's like, for me, it's great. <laughs> he's like, this has been great basketball. And then I said, uh, when I first asked you the question, you laughed. Can, can you explain why you laughed? And he said, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think players are enjoying not having distractions um, and also being able to just, you know, be themselves on this campus. I've had months to observe the bubble from the outside. What does the outside look like to you now that you've been in here so long? Yeah, well, honestly, I'd say once you exit and you're here for a couple of weeks, you will definitely feel a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Like I feel kind of disconnected to the outside world um, in a way that really makes me miss the outside world. And I can understand, you know, the struggle that some people have had being in this bubble and feeling like you're not on the ground and, and really feeling the emotions that so many people are. And I don't know, I, you know, I don't know if players realize the impact that they're having on, on people that aren't here. I hope that they do. I hope that they know that what they did was, was so important, but I've had a bunch of conversations with players that just are like, this is legitimately a bubble in all sense of the, of the word, you know, like we only know what is happening here right now and today. Like, that's it there's, I think, a bit of a false sense of security because we know what it's like to be surrounded by people that don't have COVID-19, but that's mm -hmm. going to be over <laughs> once we exit and you're going to have to readapt to understanding this is a very real pandemic that you need to be incredibly safe about. Not everything else is a bubble. I think that you're going to exit. You're going to talk to people that have been protesting, have been on the ground, those grassroots people and be like, wow, like this is what I was missing when I was in the bubble. But I do think players are appreciating all of, you know, the tweets and the Instagram comments and all this stuff saying that what you're doing is such a, such a big deal and such a huge impact. You know, some players have spoken to Jacob Blake's dad and really tried to kind of break down that wall and understand and all that stuff is really important. So I think everybody here just really should always check on their mental health, make sure they're okay, make sure they're understanding the world is bigger than this, you know, small radius we're in right now. But you're definitely going to feel disconnected once you're here for like a week or two. You mentioned James Harden and, you know, the, the Rockets are hours away from a huge game seven against Oklahoma City with an opportunity to either move on and face the Lakers in the conference semifinals, or if they don't, they pack up, go home, and you wonder what becomes of a Rockets team that had all these expectations and all of this 
you know, external pressure about what they had to get done this season, even with the restart, even with everything that's going on. They, you know, they're one of the teams that came here with a very specific set of pressures. This small ball thing has to work. Russ and James have to, you know, thrive. Is there a sense to you that the players understand the magnitude of these moments and the pressures that are on it, even if they don't have their normal playoff atmosphere around them? Yeah, for sure. We say, what happened to the Rockets? Chris Paul happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he willed them to that win, okay? Like, it was nuts. Um, But yes, I, I do think, to answer your question, players do understand that there aren't really that many excuses that can happen in this playoff environment because literally every single person's going through the same thing. So like not winning would mean something within your team or something that you all did didn't stack up. So like, I think that is on everybody's mind, but I think that the Rockets are going to end up winning the series though. I think they'll, I think they'll pull it out. I think a lot of it is going to lie on James Harden. Russell Westbrook said he is still on a minutes restriction. Russell Westbrook also recognized quite obviously that those turnovers were on him. And he even kind of recognized that those turnovers weren't happening when I wasn't playing. So they know how to make these adjustments. I have been to their practices. They practice very much to suit the mistakes that were made previously. So I think a lot of the mistakes will be corrected. And I think that they're going to end up winning the series. But if, if they do, I'm really going to miss watching Chris Paul because that was just such a – that was a wild performance. Yeah. I've been loving watching the emergence of some of these young players, Michael Porter Jr., other guys who didn't necessarily have the same opportunities before the season shut down. They got a, a chance to restart their seasons, literally and figuratively, once they got here to Orlando. Is there is there somebody – who's made you look at them in a completely different light since we got here? I would say I think we don't talk about Fred Van Vliet enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been super impressed with him. When the Nets were still here, Karis LeVert. Michigan guy too, so you know, I I got love for him. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, And he was a dog at Michigan. Um, Right. I would say there's people that stick out to me personality-wise that don't act the way that I thought, like, I have never really spoken to Russell Westbrook until this bubble. And obviously the thing that people always say about Russell Westbrook is like, he's cold or he's kind of rude or, (laughs) but like all of our interactions have been so positive and he's so nice. And in one of my vlogs, the theme was racial injustice and he had on those shirts that he made. And I was like, are those going to be for sale? And he was like, no, but I'll bring one. And I was like, he's not going to bring one, you know, (laughs) but next, (laughs) next game, he brought me a shirt, which is like not the thing that is painted about Russ, you know, I'm like, no, he's a, he's a really nice, like, I feel like calm guy. I don't know if that's because the bubble allows people to be that way or if he is that way, but, um, (laughs) but no, I have, I have nothing but good things to say about him, but yeah, that's what I'd say in terms of like personality, but on the court, I say Fred VanVleet. In Karis, for sure. Take it there with Taylor Rooks. You have a platform where you're talking to players and people, to me, that seems different. It's, it's not the rushed locker room interviews that people see all the time, you know, on NBA TV after games or, on, you know, TNT after games. Have you been able to use those same sort of methods that you use when you're having a comfortable sit-down 
interview with somebody here? Have you been able to attack the limited time you probably have with them here in the same way? Or has it forced you to completely change how you normally do things? No, not at all. So I am a strong believer that like you should adapt to your surroundings. Your surroundings should adapt to you. And I haven't been doing sit downs. I get to take it there, but I have been doing those media scrums. And so the questions that I ask in those scrums are the same questions I would ask if I was doing a sit down. Like I try to avoid, you know, like, how did it feel? What did you think? What were the, you know, like the, the questions that just allow for the answers that are kind of in the clouds, you know? So I will try to prep for the post game the way that I prep for the show. What do you expect the energy to be when you get down to those final teams who have been here all this time? Will they, will they have the mental and physical stamina, do you think, to perform at the level they need to? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know the answer, but I hope so. You know, I, I, <laughs> I hope that they are able to. And that's one thing Doc Rivers said. He's like, I didn't realize how much the bubble really is affecting players and will affect players. So I think coaches are game planning for that. Yeah. You know, they are trying to figure out the best way to to limit the negative effects of the situation that we're in. I do also think, though, that at the end of the day, these are the best basketball players in the world, and they will always be competitive and will always, the moment they step on that court, deliver the best product. And they have up to this point. I mean, yeah. the games after the protest were great games. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Everybody is exhausted mentally, physically. People are sad. People are tired. Like that to me was the moment where I kind of realized how it would go um, with bubble fatigue. And they definitely, you know, passed that with flying colors. So I don't know how, I don't know how different it will be from normal circumstances when you're just tired from the season and you're trying to win a championship. And I hope everybody is able to, you know, push through for it. Interesting. Well, we're going to get a chance to uh, continue to observe it and uh, appreciate all your fine work. Like I said, being outside the bubble, I had to rely on you and several other people to kind of get a feel for what exactly is going on in here. Now that I'm in, um, I'm going to try and digest it as best I can and do the same for people that are here. Taylor Rooks from Bleach Report joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Taylor, I appreciate it. Um, and I'll see you once I get out of quarantine at some point. Yes, no, I appreciate you having me and cannot wait to see you on the other side. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.